1: Welcome back to Behind the Business Curtain. I am your host, Ryan Hansen, and today we have the pleasure of interviewing uh, Caleb Ermler, the owner and founder of Crazy Ant Pest Control here in Fresno, California. We've got a couple of personal ties, so I look forward to hearing the stories of his business adventures. Let's do it. <laughs> So, Caleb, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Uh,
2: Doing well, just in the middle of everything. I think like every business owner has been these last two years. It's been crazy. And uh, dealing with, well, COVID and then the dominoes of every, all the laws and everything that's changing on a weekly basis has really turned business on its head the last two years for sure.
1: I believe it. And I want to know more about that. Why don't, let's kick it off by... Te- give us like a 30 second. Who is Caleb and where do you come from? How'd you get into business?
2: So basically I was in full-time ministry till about 10 years ago and I didn't have two nickels to rub together. And I was actually working three jobs right at that time. I was working in a place, Dunder Mifflin, just like the TV show, basically the same place, you know, um, is where I worked, uh, in a warehouse. I remember one day somebody was moving like a hundred thousand dollar, uh, printer and they're like, should we strap that down? He's like, no, I can balance it on this thing. So, you know, it was, you had the same type of characters there. I was working for a college in the area trying to give job placement. So once people graduated college, I was getting them jobs in their field. And I was also working as a classroom driving instructor. And, um, that sounds terrifying. (laughs) Yes. And behind the wheel occasionally, but mostly 50 uh, teenagers in a room for eight hours straight. (laughs) And at that point, I was just like, I had never had an eight to five Monday through Friday job. And I was about to get married. And I was like, you know what? My first year of marriage, it needs to be normal. And so I got my first eight to five Monday through Friday job in pest control of all things. Okay. And it was a few years in pest control. The money wasn't great, but it was stable. Like I knew how much I was making. I knew how to make extra um, I knew how to do all the different things. And they took me out for coffee and said, hey, do you want to run your own branch? You know, what's your intentions with us? Yeah. And I think during that meeting that I was just like, you know what? I don't want to really run a branch for you. I would rather own my own, you know, pest control company. Yeah. And so pretty much from that point, it took me about five years to from nothing. I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have money. But it took me about five years from starting from nothing to uh, building a company that, you know, pretty much could easily get a, a, basically I've been offered over a million dollars for the company. So, you know, basically a million dollar company in five years is where we're at.
1: Outstanding. So that, that includes like the book of business, your marketing systems, supply chain, Mm -hmm. all of those things. That's where that value comes from, right?
2: Yes. But in our business, it's mainly from contracts. So we have about 1,350 contracts. And so 90% of the business is on contracts. 10% is on all that other stuff. Okay.
1: So how many employees are there? How many trucks? How does that
2: work? So we're in a labor shortage. So this is part of the part that's completely um, really interesting in our industry. But basically this year, almost all the pest control companies basically said we have to get twice as much work out of every employee because of the labor shortage. So over the last 12, 12 months, yeah. What we have seen is an average person in a truck up until this point was expected about to do about uh, ten to twelve thousand, and now everybody's like, "Well, we want twenty to twenty-five thousand out of each person." Okay, that is, yeah. How are and the so
1: operators what's... feeling about that? Happy for the work or overworked?
2: Overworked. Okay. Everybody just feels completely overwhelmed and overworked, and so I'm dealing with a lot of people that I'm sitting down with, and they're just like. I can't do another, you know, it's basically the workload doesn't go down. And so they're basically having to work faster in 60, 70 hour weeks to keep up with it. And so basically I'm just talking to a bunch of people that are exhausted from other companies, but what they have a hard time doing is because they are working 70 hour weeks. They're used to that money that's coming in for working 70 hours. And I may pay more hour for hour. But once you go from working 70 hours a week to 40 hours a week, all of a sudden, they're like, well, I can't make it off that much anymore. Right. Right.
1: You got the golden handcuffs going on. hmm. OK. What what are the specific laws that are causing that? That's that's caps so, on non W-2 employees or what?
2: No, basically what's causing that in the United States is right now there's 11 million job openings. There's 7 million people looking for jobs, but that's not actually the true number. The true number is only about 3 million. Right. Because what's happening is in our community right now, people are literally, since all the employment benefits are going away, they just need somebody to hire them for a month and then get fired, and then they would get six more months of unemployment. Um, and so yeah. that's happening big time in our industry, right? Now in every industry, where people are just trying to get hired long enough so they can get six more months of doing nothing. Mm. And, see, well, and because there's two job openings for every person that's looking for work. Even the worst employees are getting somewhere hired. Right, right, right. And so to be able to get the cream of the crop, to be able to pay those people more, our industry has basically said, well, each person has to do twice as much as they were doing. And so that's just some of the elements. That's not even all of them, but that's just one element that's changed in the last 12 months in our industry. Okay.
1: Well... If anybody out there listening is wanting a real job and wanting to put the hours in and not go through the Rochambeau of employee
2: or unemployment benefits,
1: uh, how do they get a hold of you?
2: Oh, it's super easy. Crazy Ant Pest Control. Um, You can put in an application on Indeed or just come by, and uh, we are flooded with applications. So basically, we're doing open interviews every Friday, but we've actually gone through about 250 inter- um, applications in the last two weeks. Wow. And so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so like everybody, we're hiring, but we're trying to figure out... Like everything, we almost are doing with like a split the difference because... We are having to get that amount up just like everybody else or else we're not gonna be able to keep up with the competition. But at the same time, we're also trying to keep the hours to a 40 hour work week and not going the same as everybody else doing 60 and 70 hour work weeks. Yeah. So we're clear to that 40 hour work week, maybe 45 pushing it, but we're trying to keep it low and uh, try to move with the industry and trying to figure it out like everybody else. But it's not like there's clear answers. A lot of it is, well, here's two things we think might work. And it's just about, I hate to say it because it's so common. They're like, just fail fast. Like when you have two options in front of you, you just pick option A and you run it. And if it doesn't work, you just want to get to option B or C or D as fast as possible. And don't really worry too much. And this sounds horrible. Don't worry too much about being right. Just worry about getting to the right answer as fast as possible.
1: I love that. I love that example. Um, Or I love that idea. Maybe give us an example of something that you've dealt with. Uh, I guess in the recent history just uh, give us a peek behind the business curtain what's a a failure or something that others could avoid that you had to learn the hard way
2: so much I mean right now and this is with everybody going back to employment and just hiring people um, and then getting the, the structure down. But I think one thing that we, we did and we're pulling back from a lot is giving too many chances. And I think every person that's a boss, there's very few bosses that really are like the TV shows are like, you know, it's all about me. I don't care about my employees. I mean, it goes good on TV, but on the real world, it does. It's not like that at all. Most small business owners, you know, they work the extra shifts. You know, they work eighty hours and get paid what they're paying their guys that are working forty hours. And a lot of times, that's what the reality of small business looks like. Yeah. And because you try to work so much with everybody that's coming in, it's really hard to be to say like three chances or you know today's your start date you have this many weeks to be get up to speed with everybody else or you're right, gone. you know, and that's really hard to do.
1: I, Cause yeah, to I can see it because you're like emotionally with- invested and you know, their story mm-hmm. and now you're I probably friends and that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Okay. So when you were first starting up, what were some of the things that you, that caught you off guard? It, it's probably helpful that you came from a company that taught you how to do it, like instill the systems. This is how you track clients, invoice, and all of those things. Um, anything come to mind uh, when you were starting and you're like, oh, I wasted a ton of time doing that and I never should have done that?
2: Well, I, that's a great question. Um, I'm gonna fall back more to the fact that you're like, failures are learning experiences. And I hate cliches, but because people interpret them any way they want, they're like, you know, I've just failed my whole entire life. And and so really, I'm a huge success. And I'm like, it doesn't really work that way. Mm -hmm. Like you actually have to have have those failures lead to something substantial that you can show a successful business at the end. Failure by itself is nothing to brag about. But a lot of times those 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 experiences. But in business at the beginning, I guess I what I didn't really always see is what today's problem I knew I was going to level up. I knew tomorrow's problems were not gonna be today's problems, but what I didn't expect is how radically different they are in a, in a beginning business. Yes. Because on day one, it's really the only thing that matters on day one is landing a sale <laughs> and nothing else matters. Right. Like, but where I'm right now, sales aren't even in the top three of where I'm at. Mm. You know, So things take their place. But on on day one, you don't need to worry about anything. Do you have clients? Do you have sales? Until that happens, you don't need a logo. You don't need a website. You don't need anything. I mean, you're just wasting your time until you find your buyer first. Yeah. And then it quickly morphs to systems. So once you get sales, then you have to get your systems down and you have to refine those. And then this is what gets hard because now you start in a juggling stage because now you're talking about your staff. Yep. But you're still trying to get sales, you're still trying to refine your systems, but you're adding staffs to the, you know, staff to the mix. Yeah. And it's a little bit like eating an Oreo and brushing your teeth. <laughs> yeah, this one. Okay. And so
1: like, <laughs> explain that. That's a great visual, but explain that.
2: Yeah. Well, what you do is you you create these systems and then you hire somebody and you're saying, "This is the way we do it. A, B, and C." Yeah, And then you realize, oh, wait a second, we need to change B and C and we need to add this in and we need to simplify this. And so you go in and it's like, hey, remember how we taught you how to do everything three weeks ago? It's now different. (laughs) This is the right way of doing it. That way we showed you three weeks ago is the wrong way of doing it. Yeah, And then (laughs) two two months later, you're like, oh, well, we changed it again. We realized that this, this and this doesn't work. And now this is the correct way. Of doing things. So they're learning two ways, three ways. And what you're having to navigate is how can you change the systems without it constantly feeling like the stress and change of an environment constantly. So you have to be able to incorporate changes in a way that is congruent, that doesn't stress people out and doesn't make people feel like, I just never know what's happening because it results in a few different ones. One way it results in is apathy. you are just going to change it again in two weeks. I give up. I'm not going to follow it. Like apathy is one thing that hits really, really quickly or stress because you have the other side. So you have half the guys stressed out because they're trying to do it all and the other half that just given up. And now you have two sides that are at odds with each other. The guys that are just like apathetic And the guys that are stressed out now having to carry the other guys that are apathetic as well as trying to keep up with all the workload that's coming in.
1: I imagine a lot of that, the solution to that, correct me if I'm wrong, but that comes down to communication and dreamcasting and just being crystal clear on this is is the product that we ship. So in order to do that, this is what we think we should be doing and this is why. Like not just dictating like, hey, now you're going to use this CRM or billing software or whatever, like over communicating why the change is important and getting their buy-in. Am I on the right track there? How do you solve for that?
2: So I'm on the same way. So one thing that we implemented this year is one-on-ones on on top of group meetings. Okay. And one-on-ones, because what happens is if you have a group meeting there 's one or two people that really need to hear what you 're hearing, and those are the two people that are asleep in the room that think it 's for everybody else and one on ones do a lot of things first of all, morale because one on ones allow people to express what there is good and what is bad that 's mm-hmm. going on and then we start with that, and then we go on basics, just basic checkup where think people are on different things yeah, and just make sure that we 're st- still on the same page. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we can work on, okay, so how did it go this week? I know last week we talked about, you know, we're trying to really push our mosquito programs with our current customers. Give me an illustration of last week where you talked to a current customer about our mosquito program. Okay, and, role play it. Yeah. Yeah. And then there'd be like, um, well, actually, I, didn't, I never got a chance. Okay, so why didn't you never get a, a chance to talk to any of the customers? Were they not home? Yeah, they, they were home. So you talked to about half the people are home? Like, yeah, but half the people are home. Okay. So what, so what happened right there that you didn't, you know, or, yeah. or you know, we can actually ask questions and you probably know this questions are a lot more powerful when on one-on-ones, you can ask direct questions with people and direct questions, get them thinking about what their week looks like, what their day looks like. Whereas if you just stand up and everything, all the information is coming in, um, just like do this, do this, do this. The, the natural reaction for the employee is to do this and be like, he has no idea what I have to deal with in a day. Yeah. Like they're on the defensive, they're thinking their mind, you know, they're, they're like already like putting everything off. So to make it, so they're doing 60% of the talking and you're doing 40% of the talking and you're just, you know, a lot of times on -on one-on-one, it's not that you don't have a system, you don't have a plan, you don't know where you're supposed to go. You're not cashing vision. Really a lot of times it breaks down into buy-in. Yeah. And so everybody has the systems, the processes, you know, we can make a million dollars if we just do this. And then all of a sudden, you don't have a people that have buy into that. Yeah. And what do you do at that point? When people aren't buying in? Hmm. You know, how do you overcome that? And then one of the hardest things is people that are good enough to help you out? Right? Do you keep them around? You know, because you know that's going to pull on the culture. It's going to pull on where you're trying to go. Wait, what do you mean by that?
1: The the people that can help you, do you keep them around?
2: Well, what am I missing? You you a lot of times people put a grade on people, like hey, they're an A player, a B player, a C player, an F player. So a lot of what we do in the service industry is. you might want to say like people sometimes can feel like a cog in the service industry. Mm-hmm. Like I flip a hamburger, I kill bugs, but they feel like, you know, nobody really sees them. They're behind the curtain. You know, nobody notices when they're doing their job, right? Nobody notices when they go into a restaurant and there's no bugs in there. Nobody notices when they go in a hotel and it's clean, right? All they notice is there's a problem. And so the only time they ever get noticed is when something goes wrong. So they, they only get yelled at. And so you have a B and C players. And again, a lot of times you'll get your B and C players. Those are people that start getting apathetic, that just kind of put on a shell because they're like, the only time I ever get seen, right, is when I'm getting ripped, when something's not and right, I, yeah, yeah. And when I do my job, I get totally forgotten about,
1: mm.
2: you know. And and so a lot of times people can go down, and once they get, and you're like, well, I, we have so much work we need to do. They're not an F player. But, you know, they've slid down. They're not an A player anymore. And what happens is it's the word permissionism. So Got when it. you get someone that's not an A player on your team and somebody that gets Bs and everybody else gets As, what it does is it gives everybody else permission to be a B player too.
1: Oh, uh, okay. I see what you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I missed I missed that when you first said it. So. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. I know.
2: It yeah. I didn't really do a deep dive at all into it. So it gives people permission. And then you get to a C and now you have permission like, oh, I can actually do this, this, and this. And it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, but you can have so much work coming in that you're like, well, I just need to get, it's, he's do, good enough to get the work done. Yeah. But what's happening is he's giving permission to the rest of the staff that this is the level that's acceptable. This is a level that will pass off mm-hmm. to everybody else. And now all of a sudden, your whole level of work now drops um, overnight as soon as one person goes into those areas. So you are always going to be working with the next giant. And and there's always going to be, as soon as you get done with one, there's always going to be the next one right there waiting for you. And as a small business owner, really, the first thing is just you need to close a sale then you need to start doing your processes instantly. Like you don't, I know people that spend five years on their processes and they never get going. Don't work on your processes until you have a sale. That's going to dictate everything right there. Your customers will tell you what they want. Um, But if you just make a whole plan, it's hard because you're almost in an emotional state. Like I spent two years on this and my customers are telling me they want something different. Right. And you're almost hesitant to change because you invested so much into your systems, your plans, your dreams of what this was gonna look like. And your customers are like, no, actually I don't want that at all. Yeah. To put um, like a business plan into place, I am a firm believer, don't put a business plan into place besides like something that can fit on one piece of paper the napkin. So you-
1: yep. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So I shouldn't spend five thousand dollars on a logo before I have a uh, processes in place.
2: I think. I think most businesses could probably start with a hundred bucks. I would say probably put a. I put ten thousand into mine. Yeah. So before we get anything, I put ten thousand to it. But that's probably the magic number right there. I've read a lot of people, and I would say for most businesses, with very few exceptions, yeah, that. 10,000 should probably be your cap. And so I remember Seth Godin said this years ago, he said, pick a number, doesn't matter what that number is. And he said, if you're an entrepreneur, you, you are saying that I can make money. So that money that you're making needs to fund your business. And a lot of people are like, well, I'm just gonna keep giving and giving and giving
1: order now
2: to my business. So I kind of think 10,000 for most businesses is, the, is actually the magic number, but different businesses are different amounts. And some people don't have yeah. them. They start with hundred dollars, which is fine, but find out how much you're going to put in there. And then after that, it just needs to be the customer. I think there's some basic things, website logo, um, things that are going to make you look a million times better, especially in the service industry, especially cause that's my niche right there. Yeah, And, uh, just do them. It's going to, it's going to make a world of difference, but if you don't have it, then don't worry about it. Just start where you're at. Do what you can. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that blew me back when I first started and I thought about it a million times is I I thought, you know, if you ever watch ducks, they're everywhere until like the mom starts moving and then all the baby ducks get in the line. And that's how Ah. businesses. Yeah. You're not going to do anything. You're going to try to figure this out. And what should I do? And what's the plan? And what's the five-year vision? I'll tell you what. Once you make that first sale and start moving, your ducks start to line up.
1: Right. Stop worrying about the rest. But
2: until then. Yeah. Yeah. But until then, it really is not going to, you're just going to be kind of hurting and it's not going to, it's not going to work until that point. And then your staff is huge after that point. And then retention is your final thing that you really have to focus on.
1: Yeah. So I'm also hearing something.
2: I'm sorry. What's that? No, no, I'm just. Um, I go go. Yeah, what's your question? I'm I'm Sorry.
1: hearing something, and I may be reading between the lines a little bit more than I should be. But um, one of the things that I'm I'm like rounding this in my head. I'm trying to define the problem here, but I'm having a real issue with the concept of entrepreneurship. Just that word alone carries a lot of stigma. Now, uh-huh. with like, oh, you have to be raising capital, but. From what I'm hearing, you built this from the ground up without debt, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's fantastic. So, Tell me so more we, about that journey because this is what a lot of people need to hear.
2: So we, I do not have one penny of debt. Woo! Uh, not on my house, not on my fleet of trucks. You know, this is our office. We do rent this. We don't buy it. But this is our, our is right here. Yeah. Um, we do not have one cent of debt on anything. Oh, that's we bought fantastic. everything cash from day one. Um, there's a lot of people that talk about leverage and, you know, use other people's money to make you rich. Um, I'm just going to throw a few things out there. 85%. Now, this was this was done by the government. It's a government study, but 85% of businesses fail in five years. Right. Well, 100 people that start, only 15. You're just like, okay, so 15 out of 100. So that's about, that's about playing Russian roulette right there. Um, okay, and now those 15, they're all, you know, millionaires, right? They all grew million-dollar businesses like this in five years, right? Yeah. No, most of them are barely hanging on. They're way over leveraged. They're knee-deep every single day. My life is like this, like I have, but a lot of them, is they, they're just working the 100-hour week still after five years. They're not having the relief. They're not... Um, year two, we rented a castle in Ireland, um, before COVID hit, you know, we did a little bit of traveling the world. We went to Malta and things like that. Um, these are the things that they talk about that you should be able to do as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, but instead what people do is they create all this leverage and everybody wants it back with interest. So I'm gonna give a very basic illustration my insurance will give me a 15% discount if I pay it a year in advance. Okay. If I put it on a credit card, it'll cost me 15%. Right. So that's a 30% difference on insurance based just on whether I pay it in advance or I leverage it. Hmm. And a lot of people are like, oh, leverage, leverage, leverage. And I'm just thinking you're overpaying for a lot of things. Not only are you paying the interest, but you're not getting the discounts. Yeah. And you have to put both of those together. What is the cash price on this? What is the bulk price on this? Or what is getting it in small pieces and using credit card? Well, I need this today, so I had to get it quick. I have to yeah. get it in a small batch, and I had to put it on the credit card because we need to keep the move, um, business moving. And a lot of businesses are operating at 20% higher cost than they should be, Yep, than they need to be, because they had a genius friend that said, just leverage it.
1: Yeah, it sounds easy to use other people's money, but there's a lot of strings that come with that.
2: Yeah. So many strings. And I don't want to go into a diatribe, but I know a guy that he went into business with three other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two put in money and he put in sweat equity and everything like that. And everybody that I know that has had partners, I'm not saying don't do it. There's there's ex- exceptions to every rule. Right. But like everybody that I've talked to that I've gone into and got money from angel investors, they basically are... If anybody that's done it calls them demon investors, because now, it backfires. yes, they only own one third of their business, but yet a couple people that put in ten, twenty thousand dollars on day one now have more ownership than they do in their own business, and they don't even have control. In other words, those people that just put in twenty thousand dollars on right. day one could now actually vote them out of running their own business if they wanted to. To save up, yep.
1: I know. There's, that, it's heartbreaking to watch that happen.
2: Yeah. Um, so I know I could go and tell so many stories and I know so many people are against where I'm at of like, why Dave Ramsey a business? That doesn't make any sense. Why Why don't you use other people's money? This is what everybody's saying to do. Yeah. But I'm also saying, if you look at the actual statistics, if you look what everybody's doing, everybody's also failing as a business, mmm you only... Struggling only, at least. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So only about yeah. 3% of businesses become a million-dollar business and it takes an average of 10 years. Only 3 out of 100. Mm-hmm. So when you really get down to it, what helped me is, is people listening to like this podcast right here. Um, Eventual Millionaire was one of the podcasts that I listened to uh, six, seven years ago when I first got started because every episode, they brought on somebody that actually became a millionaire. So right. rather than... You know, listening yeah, I've to, listened to that.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. What was her name? The host? Um, Jamie Masters. There you go, Jamie. Yep. Yep. It's been a while. I'll look that show back up. That's
2: a good one. And I, I just didn't want to like, you know, you heard the thing, don't take a shirt from a naked guy, you know, don't listen to all these advices. Even these big conferences, it's amazing how many times you go behind the curtain and this person that's selling a course for $20,000 is $100,000 in debt. Right. If they don't sell the course that night, they're losing their home or their Lambo. And you hear all these behind the store um, scenes of this and it's nothing like the infomercials. Yeah. It's... yeah And... <laughs> you just get down to live with abundance, people, <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: other people's abundance until that runs out. Know.
2: Try it. Yeah, if you if ten people buy my course tonight, I will be abundant, and yeah. I can keep on this lifestyle for another ninety days, kind of thing. Um, but when you start really looking at, okay, what do the people that actually took this journey? What did they do? What what caused people to fail? Like go to a graveyard, because what happens is we read success magazine. And you're like, you read all the lottery winners, right? You just go down and you're like, I need to buy a lottery ticket too. Yeah. And it's not good advice. But yes, there are, there are lottery winners all the time. People win the lottery all the time. And it seems like that's the way to get rich is buy a lottery ticket. Mm. But if you look at the facts, if you look at all the businesses that have gone before you and you're like, oh, this is actually a really, really bad idea. Yeah. to take this approach.
1: Yeah. Uh, and and you'd realize, oh, the the work, actually shipping and delivering, that's what makes money. And that's what <laughs> solves the business problem.
2: Yeah. I even, yeah, even love the four-hour work week because I feel like one thing that's minimized even in, in all that book is that he had a business that he automated. Like, in other words, you still had to build a business first. Yeah. And then he could automate it and walk away. So that's like the next step. So once you get something, but you can't just say, you know, abracadabra, you know, give me a business, automate it, make me lots of money. No, like it doesn't work that way without putting in the effort first, but that's almost like skipped over. Like, um, if and you now we're back it, to systems. It, that's just yeah. a system to
1: make that happen. But there's testing, there's price pointing, there's like, you got to figure out your sourcing, all of the things that need to actually happen have to be done. So there's no, there's no phoning that in. Yeah.
2: And I, I think that is definitely one of the final stages to building a business is getting to that four hour work week where you're not involved besides just kind of sailing the ship
1: direction. And so I think, yep.
2: Yep. I think a lot of entrepreneurs can actually look forward if they're going through the systems, if they're going through the processes, I think when that final process is, Hey, how do I make this into a four hour work week? Right. I think that is, that is like the final stage where they can but a lot of people think that that's where it starts. You know, they read the cover of the book and they're like the four hour work week. That's not, that's not where it starts at all. It starts way back here and going through the process. So what do you
1: think folks are getting uh, stuck? Is that a mentality? Is that a set of behaviors? What, how do you get started with applying that mentality to your,
2: to your business? I think number one is consistency. Mm -hmm. I, I, you probably read good to great, um, great by choice. And, the number one thing they talk about is just consistency, consistency, consistency. And I talked to a lot of small business owners that still want to go put the, you know, gone fishing, mm. you know, and that's fine. But gone fishing, as long as you've hired somebody else to be there while you're gone. Yeah. So they've never created the system. They've only, they got the sale, but they never created the systems. They never got the staff. They never got their service down and they never got retention in place. And they're still stuck there at that state. That first one, well, I got some sales and then they want to like i'm burnt out i'm doing this 80 hours a week i need a break i need to put gone fishing
1: and then they just disappear and their reputation
2: starts to take hits
1: so it's the bottleneck on delegation
2: yes and there is a different um set of skills required to each one of these stages for Mm -hmm. sure and somebody that's amazing at sales sometimes is the same person that's horrible at systems and
1: I <laughs> think <laughs> no, I'm amazing at sales, but I am horrible at systems. I'm a starter. I don't like sticking with something like in perpetuity without knowing that it's going to, you know, consistently be entertaining or whatever. So I would not be a good, you know, chief operating officer, say, or, uh, you know, manager over people. Tried it. Not my cup of tea. So, yeah, knowing which seat in the bus to put the right people in. That's a whole other thing.
2: Yeah. And my personality is very odd. I've had a lot of business coaches and they always make you do these personality tests before they get started with me. And, um, one person said, you know, you're a unicorn because I'm like, straight line. You know how you have the four personality types and everything. And, and depending what test you take, they'll be like, you're a lion, you're an otter, or you're a, you know, an alpha or you're whatever, you know, they all have their own names because they can't yeah. like cheat off each other. So they all create their own systems. But um, one thing with me is I am kind of in the middle. I'm an introvert, but I'm also an extrovert, you know, um, I'm all these different uh, together. And then, so that makes me not great at anything but I'm okay at everything, which makes it so I don't have any giant weaknesses in these processes. Like I can kind of sell, I can kind of do systems, you know, I can kind of hire and I've got more of a conductor personality where every person that has an instrument is way better than I am, but I know enough that I could actually do everything that everybody's doing.
1: Which is, which is usually important for a small business. Yeah. Um, that's great. So, Uh, I wanna respect your time here. We're rolling up on half an hour. Uh, One thing that I I am trying to ask everybody that comes on is is what is one thing that you could automate that would save you time or money in your business?
2: There is so many things. Um, I almost wanna give you like a list of this. These are the top 10 things you need to automate. But if you um, do not have an answering service for your phone and you're letting sales drop by, Right now, I used to be paying $2,000 a month. The place I'm using right now is like 150 bucks a month. Whoa. But what happens if somebody calls after hours, they will never leave a voicemail. So if they're looking for your service, no matter what it is, online, offline, if you have hours where you cannot answer the phone, you want to automate one of these services, and there's a ton of them out there, that they can just pick up and get their information. Because this is what exactly what happens. They call, you don't answer, they dial the next person. They don't leave a message. Right. If a real person says, hey, this is uh, Tom's website, Tom is out of the office right now, but I'd love to take a message and I know he would love to talk to you. And they're like, oh yeah, no problem. And a lot of them, you can even tell them to book your appointments for you. That's part of, that's very standard. And he's like, I know Tom would love to talk to you and he has an opening in his calendar right now on Wednesday at 10 o'clock, would that work for you? Oh, that's great. People are losing half their sales Because of $150 a month that they're not spending to have somebody answer the phone when they can't. For a
1: client that would, you know, over their, over their contract time be several thousands. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a good one. I like it. Um, what are some of the current business, uh, barriers that you're dealing with? I mean, there's obviously we've talked about HR. Um, I mean, how about like marketing? What, where, where are you seeing things change that you're having to pivot?
2: This is a broad answer, but everything is changing right now. There is nothing that is, is (laughs) stable. Um, marketing is very interesting right now. We're, we just hit the 50-50 point because a lot of people think everybody goes online for business, but the truth is it's just about 51%. So if people are buying, only about 51% are actually buying online. 49% is still offline. So people that are ignoring offline, you're killing half of your business. Postcards, letters, um, networking, that still and especially the higher ticketed items yeah. are you're going to be much more on those offline sources so when some people are getting in i know younger people especially they want to go completely online but i'm telling you bigger items and um especially bigger items but even smaller items 50 almost 50% is still offline don't ignore it yeah
1: oh that's wonderful advice i mean that yeah that's or, or bring value to somebody just good old fashioned networking and build trust. Cause that's where sales come from. Yeah. And you
2: don't have to be salesy to make sales. In fact, if you're not salesy and you just help everybody out and you're just visible, I got two um, contracts this last week. Um, never even, never even brought up, you know, Hey, have you, I just, you know, they're like, hey, what do you do? I'm like, I, I run a pest control company. Right. And um, you know, a few months later, they quit their current company that they absolutely love. They love their current co- company, but they're like, well, I'm kind of friends with the owner at this other place. Like never, ever like pushed at all. And that's happened over and over yeah. and over. Just being visible, just talking to people in the community. I love it.
1: All right. So if folks have one takeaway, if you can give one piece of advice, what do you want them to,
2: to leave this podcast? There's something tangible that they could go do today. I feel like I'm just going to repeat myself right now. But be consistent, like mm-hmm. whatever you do, just make sure on your absolute worst day when everything goes wrong and, you know, you have a kidney problem and you're in the hospital for two days that that consistency will continue. That sounds just very, uh,
1: a very specific example. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but figure it out, figure out what your worst days look like and how do you stay consistent you know, when everything goes wrong, because if you don't think about that before it happens, what's going to happen is you're like, well, I wasn't expecting this to happen. I wasn't expecting this funeral to pop up and I wasn't expecting this family matter. And every two weeks in your business, something like that's going to happen. And if you don't think about it before, like how, what happens when I just cannot be here today? Yeah. Like what happens to my customers? What happens to the process? So how do I stay consistent when, I'm not an ideal because most people think of their most ideal day, like, hey, I worked out, I ate right, I have tons of energy, I put 10 hours in, and they think that they're going to be able to do that every single day for the next six years. Right. Rather than thinking like, okay, when everything goes wrong, what am I going to do to make sure I give my customers a consistent experience and that consistency is going to win out almost over anything else? Just think of McDonald's. Anybody can make a better hamburger with them. I think they're charging like 13, $14 down the street for a combo mill right now at McDonald's. Um, It's not their price. It's not their taste. They have won out over the years because of consistency. And that's why you have 10 times better service. Most small guys are way better than the big companies. They're cheaper than the big companies, but they get passed over by big companies because they are not consistent.
1: Couldn't agree more. Thank you, my good sir. Uh, this has been fantastic. I, I, I know that folks are going to get a lot out of it. And, uh, again, if they want to reach out to you, so, if, you know, for services or whatever, how, how do they find you one more time?
2: So, on the business side, I, I mean, this is only a three-mile window, basically. We're just in Fresno and Clovis, so I think most of the people that listen to it, you're probably not even in the right state, but uh, just crazyantpest.com. Um, if you want to reach out to me, I'm on LinkedIn, just Caleb Ermler at LinkedIn, and you can shoot me a message, and uh, we can just connect on there. Perfect.
1: Thank you, sir. And folks listening, go meet somebody new, take a look at your systems, and stop making dumb mistakes. So... <laughs> This has been great. I uh, will catch you all next time. This episode of Behind the Business Curtain is brought to you by Build Online. Build Online is your one-stop shop for web development and mobile app design, and they're ready to bring your app idea to life. Their process starts with a one-day in-person blueprint meeting where they get clear on your goal and vision for the project and it ends with an MVP app that's ready to launch and market. Build Online offers you access to a full team of developers and designers along with a dedicated project manager that will own your vision for the project and give you weekly updates so you're never in the dark. At Build Online, they don't do project-based billing or long-term contracts. You just review the completed work and pay an invoice every 2 weeks, avoiding the traditional money pit model that may have bitten you in the past. Book a call with me at buildonline.io and we
0: can figure out a plan to bring your app idea to life.